Live Feisties If We Were Riding with Sarah and Kelly is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive, uplifting messages and is designed to fit all body types. You'll love the feel of their soft, flowy fabrics and the price, by the way. And once you try them on, their shirts will quickly become your favorites. Ass Kicker Inc. shirts feature sayings such as, it never gets easier, you just get stronger, and my imperfections are perfect. Check out these awesome tops at askickerinkinkwithak.com. Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, to get 20% off. Kelly, we're at our third episode already. I know. I heard we have actual real advertisers now. We have sponsors. We have two, but we're just going to announce one this week. And we're also now, for those who are wondering, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. And you should be able to get us wherever you find your podcasts. So for anybody listening, if you can't find us on your podcast app, let me know. And I'll, I'll try to figure that out. Also, I wanted to say before we get into the main show that, that Kelly and I do a little tidbit at the end of the show that we definitely do not want to miss. Bonus material. Bonus material, yes. So stay tuned all the way through on your iTunes or whatever. Exactly, on your iTunes or Stitcher. So we do have a sponsor that I want to announce this week. They are called Ass Kicker Inc., Inc. with a K. And they make boutique activewear. I have one of their tank tops. They're super soft and they feature kind of empowering phrases. So things like, actually, I can, or I can, I will will end of story. I think that's actually what mine says. But I love this tank top and a friend of mine gave it to me. So I reached out to the owner of the company and asked her if she wanted to partner with us on if we were riding and she said yes. So yay. So there you go. Moderately inspirational, motivational tank tops. <laughs> and you can go if you want to take a look at these tank tops, go to askkickerinc with a k.com and you can get 20% off with the code riding riding like we are riding yes like r-i-d-i-n-g as in if we were riding ah, <laughs> which was also the name of our newsletter, newsletter. and in the newsletter i did promise that we would talk about certain things yes like the most controversial topic in triathlon kelly what's the most controversial topic right now <laughs> sounds juicy so juicy it was a not doping. No, no, no. It is that this new pro launched a GoFundMe to fund her triathlon career. And man, people just went crazy about it. There was like all these comments on Twitter. There was, of course, there was a slow twitch thread because slow twitch is terrible. It goes without saying. Yeah. And then people wrote in defense of her. People wrote against her. I don't know. I'm kind of like, why do you even care? Right. So, OK, so just to get the context of this, she's called Danielle Dingman. Am I right? Just jump yes. in if I'm wrong. And she started a GoFundMe page to basically to get people to contribute to her travel and training costs for her first year as a pro. And she was asking for something like 13 grand. Well, I mean, you just have to pick a goal amount on GoFundMe. I, you know, I could say I want to raise 50,000. Like, that'd be great, right? Um, she's raised 2,600 so far. My understanding is like there was $1,000 donation that let's just assume was like a family member. You know, that's right. probably the case. And people have said, you know, 
that she's entitled, that she's being like narcissistic. Her pro career isn't that important. You should be donating to charity instead. Why does she think she's entitled to people's money? She's not willing to sacrifice for her dreams. Trying to think what other things people have said. Yeah, I think the basic argument against this was that you shouldn't be asking for money to contribute to your own triathlon. Instead, people should choose to give money to charities. Am I right? Like at a basic right. level. I mean, that is that is an argument. But that could be said of pretty much anything you do ever always, right? Right. Why are you even doing triathlon? You should be donating that money. So I'm kind of like... So instead of riding your bike, Kelly, you should be building schools in Africa. I mean, that's probably true, right? I'm not I'm not disputing the logic. I just... It seems like a difficult logic to live by, I guess. Yes, I, I agree. Okay, one thing I will say is if you go on to her GoFundMe page, some of the language... I understand people being annoyed by it. Like, that much I understand. Like, her opening is dreams are pesky, you know, and she... <laughs> Dreams are pesky. They are. They are. The poor girl has a dream and can't fulfill it without this money. So there's this tone to it that I agree is mildly annoying. But at the same time, I sort of feel like to each their own. If you want to make a GoFundMe page, then power to her. And if you want to give to it, that's also fine by me. I feel like it was made too big a deal. Right. There are plenty of annoying people in triathlon and we don't start slow twitch threads about all of them. So... Because most of them are on slow twitch threads already. Side point. The other thing we said uh, we talk about in the uh, newsletter was the Olympic update. I'm giving my we're at the point where I'm giving my like weekly Olympic update. It is coming. FYI. Kelly's weekly Olympic update. I understand Kelly. Somebody said they might boycott. What's going on? People said they were boycotting. They weren't boycotting. There are no boycotts currently. But what happened was the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, said this week that it was an open question if the U.S. was going to the Olympics. And immediately the U.S. Olympic Committee head was like on Twitter being like, no, it's not. It's not a question. We're definitely going. Don't listen to her. And then like the White House was like, no, we're definitely going. It's cool. It's possible they just realized it's in South Korea and not North Korea. Hard to say. So so a boycott was threatened and immediately taken back. It was very strange. Okay. Also, turns out Russia won't be boycotting because, I mean, obviously... That's one of those, like, I'm not getting fired. I'm quitting situations since they were already kicked out. They're kicked out, but they're not boycotting. I don't understand. Well, (laughs) Putin being Putin was going to, like, not allow any Russian athletes to compete, even as, like, neutral athletes. Okay. But that's not the case. He's going to allow them to attempt to be neutral athletes. And the IOC has created, I mean, we talked about this last week on the podcast, how Russia was kicked out and they're going to be competing as neutral athletes if they can prove that they have like no connection whatsoever to like the Russian doping situation. Right. But IOC has created a very special designation from the, for them. They're not just going to be neutral Olympic athletes. They're going to be Olympic athletes from Russia, but not <laughs> Russian athletes. So it's like, I don't, you know. It definitely sucks. <laughs> What is it? Is like the camel that fits through the hole of a needle, something like that. It's a very small hole here. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to appease everyone in this situation. Like we're banning Russia, but you can compete as Russia. (laughs) What? Russian. Russian. It's all very strange. But it does sound like there will be athletes of Russian origin at the Olympics. There will be U.S. athletes at the Olympics. It is happening for real. Okay. So. Okay. Interesting. Well, we will wait for your updates in future weeks of how this unfolds. And our main topic this week is also to do with Olympics, a rather sensitive one, but that's basically everyone's talking about these types of issues right now. It's that 
Olympic sports and whether they're prone to sexual abuses by coaches. What do you think? Do you think Olympic sports are prone to that kind of abuse? Well, I think we have to look at kind of the numbers first off, right? I mean, obviously, this is a particularly hot topic right now, culturally, generally, but specifically in Olympic sports, because the the Olympics gymnastics team doctor just got, I don't know if he was like convicted or sentenced this week, but there was 130 sexual assault charges against him or something. It was crazy. It's not just, you know, a one-time thing. There's been like multiple Olympic athletes and Team USA members that have said, you know, he... This is not some like, oh, it was just a misunderstanding situation. This is like some serious assault and drugging stuff. So that's been really like really in the news. There's been other sports that have had similar controversies and scandals swimming in the past. Swimming had one, a major scandal as well. Yeah, uh, U.S. swimming a couple years ago. Uh, we talked last year to... Um, Missy Erickson, the cyclist. Is right. I tried to of? say Missy Franklin because she's the swimmer. And then I was like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, Missy Erickson, the cyclist mm-hmm. who've been like abused by a coach. All in all, like according to Washington Post, because they look back at like, because there's also not one governing body. So they had to look at every different governing body of all the different Olympic sports. And they said that there have been 290 coaches and officials associated with Olympic sports organizations accused of sexual misconduct in the last like, what is it, 30 years? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot, right? Like that's, yeah, that's lot and I think we're gonna if we're gonna say that like sexual abuses of kids and young people is a problem in Olympic sports I think the answer is yes to that right right it's a problem and so then the question is like is that inherent to the Olympic sports right like more a problem because they're like is there something about those sports yeah like the why right I I mean I tend to think that any situation where there's a power differential is going to be open to abuse so because you see it right with teachers with clergy there are other areas right and then with the Olympic Games in particular there's a lot to lose for the athlete so it's almost like a reason to silence yeah they don't they like work their entire life and a lot of these situations you know their family because usually younger athletes in a lot of olympic sports you know their families often sacrificed they don't like if they come out and say something they're going to feel like they've let down a lot of people mm-hmm. which one can imagine why that leads them to keep quiet Yes. I also think there's something about the Olympics and how we pay a lot, a lot, a lot of attention to it. And then we don't pay attention to it at all. So it's incredibly important. Oh, my God. And there's all this money and power and prestige at stake. But then we don't really follow up on it in between. So we're not paying attention to all the abuse, like not just sexual abuses, but all kinds of abuses Mm -hmm. that happen in between, like what it takes to get to that. Right. Which is problematic. Right. And so why do you think that we see this in these more kind of individual sports like swimming, like gymnastics? and not so much in like basketball or soccer or does it exist in basketball and soccer too I mean it might it you know certainly could obviously um when we call that like when we refer to Olympic sports we're usually at least in the U.S. referring to everything that's not you know the big three mm-hmm. which partially like why is there sexual abuse in those? Because those are the sports that women get to play, right? They're the ones that have more attention, more money for women, mm-hmm. which isn't to suggest that there hasn't been extreme hazing issues in football, but women don't play football. So women aren't being abused by coaches in football. They may be being abused by players. That's a whole other topic out there. But the fact is like, that's just, that's just a reality that those are the sports that women play. It's not like unique to, because they're Olympics. It's because there are women and money there. They're also the sports that are youth oriented. 
Yes. Uh, That's what I was just thinking that gymnastics and swimming are two sports in which young women tend to, they could become really good even as teenagers, Mm -hmm. right? Like those are the, that's the demographic that's performing. Which we were talking about is maybe what has spared triathlon to some degree, like to a degree, though obviously there are some high profile cases out there, which have been talked about in the newsletter. You can go read all those details. But for the most part, triathletes come to triathlon later in life. So there's not that adults can't also be abused as we've clearly demonstrated they can, but there's less of a power differential, um, which, you know, helps. I think triathlon is also a newer sport. So it developed in a different time, which changes the culture. Culture is hard to go back and fix after it's already messed up. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do right from the beginning, which isn't to say that we did it right, but maybe more right. I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> or think. Or I'm lying to myself or yeah, we're wrong. We haven't know. come to that point yet where triathlon has kind of a system of how you get to be from a kid interested in triathlon to being an Olympic triathlete. Like that's still, we're still developing that kind of Olympic system, if you will. And so, you know, even 15 years ago, we didn't really have kids, quote unquote, the the performance athletes came largely from swimming or from swimming and running. Right. And there is a development, they call it an elite development pipeline here in the U.S. being developed. And so as that is developed, um, we really do need to be sure to develop alongside it protocols and policies and oversight, because a lot of these Olympics, that is one of the major problems, is that a lot of these Olympic sports don't have oversight the way that universities and schools do, which we've talked about before. And that is maybe one of the things that can be done to fix this, because you, you can't stop someone from being a shitty person, but you can make it illegal for them to do shitty things. Right. And that's that's kind of all you can do mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean last year i remember when we talked to for a different podcast we talked to nancy hogshead mccarr the she was a three-time gold medalist in swimming and now she's a lawyer human rights advocate but she talked about how with title nine schools and universities there's some level of protection because there's somewhere for people to go there's somewhere if you've suffered an abuse or there's there's somewhere to call someone out there's a system in place whereas federations olympic federations until recently have really wanted nothing to do with it and tend to shuffle people around and keep things quiet but now there's there's some legislation being proposed to kind of force create, olympic will... go ahead yeah i think it's going to create an oversight uh body and um mandatory reporting um Mandatory reporting obviously has its flaws, but is one of the like pivotal things that stops child abuse. So right, and so that bill has gone through the first stages of being right. passed. It's in one of the many one of the many steps in how a bill becomes a law. So apparently, you had never heard the school rock song. No, I haven't, but I'd love for you to sing it. You've never heard, like, I'm just a bill sitting here on Capitol Hill. So the bill is still, like, in Capitol Hill. It has not been signed, which is one of the steps. Right. Um, I think it's also, though, important to acknowledge when we talk about sexual harassment and sexual assault that there is a reporting issue here. It's kind of one of those whenever there's, you know, a rise in a medical issue, do you know if there's literally a rise in that disease or is it that we're simply catching it more? And people are also reporting these things more now than they used to. I think I think that's hard to ignore, mm-hmm. which I mean, we're seeing that across like all kinds of sexual harassment, discrimination issues, because I was telling you about that poll. Yeah, the poll. There was a big NPR Harvard poll of women to you know examine perception on like their perception on discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pre- turns out sexual harassment's not the only issue women feel they're discriminated <laughs> against. It. I'm shocked, Kelly. I'm shocked. <laughs> 
And they really like broke down, you know, do you feel like you have personally been discriminated against in like this area, this, you know, in jobs and in uh, sports and like all kinds of things. But one of the things I thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. was when they broke it down by age, younger women were like 60%, like much, much like they reported discrimination and harassment at much higher levels. Whereas women over 65, there's only like 17% that said they had been discriminated against because they were women, which like empirically isn't true, right? If you're over 65, there were laws on the books that didn't allow you to have a credit card without your husband's permission, right? Like that is true. You were like systemically discriminated against. against. Right. So when you look at those numbers and you're like, oh, wow, you know, 17% of 65 year olds think they were discriminated against, but like 60% of 18 year olds think they were discrimination has gone up. Like that's not true. Discrimination has not gone up in the last 50 years. It's it's perception. We're just more aware of discrimination. We're very woke. We're woke. So, but I think that's, I mean, that's got to be the first step to change, right? Is acknowledging a problem. Yes. Yes. If you're like, no, no, I'm not discriminated against. I just don't get to do things. That's like not going to help you. Like we're not the first step, which I think is also one of, you know, when we talk about sexual abuse in a like less funny context, obviously that, you know, people are acknowledging it now and not just being like, oh, that's just how my coach is, which is important. Which is not cool. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's about it for this week yeah we covered everything we covered everything if you don't already follow us on your podcast app we are now on itunes yay as of a few days ago and stitcher follow us on twitter at if we were riding we have a facebook page now if we were riding and we're also on instagram at if we were riding so follow along there join us every week episodes drop on Friday. Were you just practicing saying drop? I was. I just, yeah, I was just just jealous. You said it last in the newsletter. Like I need to use this word. So, and yeah, join us every week here. And Kelly, before we go, one more thing. I found a study this week proving that women have better oxygen uptake than men. Makes sense to me. I breathe better than men. So totally so i'm gonna put that in the show notes so everyone can have a look at it my time my time none of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time you better get ready to race in the titty to do this show you what the truth is i step on the field it's time to get real and i'm feeling so ruthless if We Were Riding is grateful to be supported by Ass Kicker Inc., who design activewear for women of all sizes, featuring empowering slogans like, I can and I will. You can get 20% off at asskickerinc.com, that's ink with a K, using the code RIDING, as in, if we were. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and Sarah Gross. Our editor is Aaron Hamilton. Our social media coordinator is Helen Positor. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us by liking and sharing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes or use our sponsor code. Thanks for listening.